Thank you very much. Let's take the Word of God together tonight and turn again to the New Testament book of Hebrews, if you would. We'll continue this thought that we began this morning, faith toward God, and uh, we're considering the foundational principles of the doctrine of Christ, and we continue, what is it to have faith toward God? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, if you would please, and we'll look together at the first few verses, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 12, we begin this morning considering the doctrine of faith toward God. And we've looked at the last several weeks at what it is to have repentance from dead works and now considering what it is to have faith toward God. Repentance without faith is a very dangerous doctrine. We must include faith. We must encourage people to look unto the Lord. Hebrews 12, verse number 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Let's stop there tonight. Let's pray together again and ask God to help us as we look at his word. Father in heaven, we open thy word, thy book, and we acknowledge that it is all vain unless the spirit, the author of this book would come down and help us. Lord, explain to us thy word. Open our hearts and our eyes that we may not just see words on a page, but we may sense them and know them to be true. Lord, we ask, speak to our hearts, everyone. We ask thee to forgive us of our sins. Lord, if we would count them, we would be here for eternity. We thank thee, Lord, that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. That thy word tells us if we confess our sins, thou art faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So tonight, Lord, we ask, make us right with thee. Bless this message, this sermon. To the listener's ear we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. What is it to have faith toward God? Well, I think we all understand that we're trying to get to God. But how? How does sinful man get to perfect God? How is it that we who are down below get to him who is above? I believe our doctrine tonight is the key, faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, faith toward God in his direction. But we all know we can't get to God. We cannot even look at God. We cannot approach his throne. And so therefore, we know there's only one way for man to get to God. The Lord Jesus said in John 14, I am the way. Now that was preceded by a couple of interesting words. Let me read for you. Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going away. He was going to leave them. 
He says in verse number three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know. You know where I'm going, he says. And the, and the way ye know. But Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Faith towards God explains this, that we are to be heading towards God, but there's only one way to get to God, and that is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We read a moment ago in Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus. So when we say faith towards God, here's what we mean. We mean that you look toward Jesus the author and finisher, the one who begins our faith and the one who completes our faith. Now notice it doesn't say looking unto God, but looking by faith toward God. It doesn't say looking unto the Father, but looking unto Jesus. It doesn't say looking unto the Spirit, but rather looking unto Jesus. Remember what John the Baptist said? Behold the Lamb of God. Not behold the Father or behold the Spirit, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. We find this in the book of John, John chapter 1 and verse number 29. John the Baptist, seeing Jesus coming unto him, saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And again in John chapter 6 and verse number 40, Jesus said, This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last. So when we read faith toward God, what we're understanding is we must be looking unto Christ because it's only through Christ that we can get to God, only through the Savior. And by the way, when you look to Jesus Christ and when you have looked upon him, it is a continuous look. We keep looking until the day that we die. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 20, the Apostle Paul says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When someone is born again, they have looked unto the Savior, and then they begin their, their looking and continue it as well. 2 Timothy 4 verse 8, Paul writes to Timothy, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing, looking for him, looking to him. It's a continuous looking. Titus 2, verse number 13 says this, looking for that blessed hope and for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus. Jude, verse 21, again it says this, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So when we read faith toward God, we understand it to mean looking unto Jesus. That's how we get to God. There's no other way. No other way to approach his throne. Spurgeon wrote this before, very encouraging words. Many men say, listen to this, many men say, I would believe in Christ if I knew I were elect. This is coming to the Father. And no man can come to the Father except by Christ. This is the Father's work. 
you cannot come directly to him. Therefore, you cannot know your election until first you had believed on Christ the Redeemer. And then through your redemption can you approach the Father and know that you are his. So many people say, but am I chosen? Am I elect? That's not what you're to be looking for. You're to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. On the other hand, some people look for feelings. And they say, well, I don't feel saved. I don't feel that I need him like I probably should feel it. But we're never told to look to our feelings. Some people think that if they find feelings, then their faith is strong. Or if their feelings are gone, then they say, my faith is weak. Really, what you're doing is looking to the Spirit, who oftentimes moves within us, encouraging us. But this principle, the doctrine of Christ, is a faith that is directed towards God by looking unto Jesus. He must be the object of our view and of our looking and of our vision. That's why the Apostle Paul said, we preach Christ crucified. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Or in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you, say Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because we recognize that no man will be saved unless they look to Christ. That's why we preach the Savior. It is looking unto Christ. Of course, our salvation involves, inseparably involves, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. But it is unto Jesus that we must look. He died for your sins. His blood atones for us. And looking unto Jesus is faith toward God. He's the object of our faith. What or who we're trusting, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Master, Savior, the Chosen One. You think about we're meant to be looking unto Jesus who lived a perfect sinless life. If you look at yourself, you will be terribly disappointed. If you're looking for some feeling or some sign, you will be terribly disappointed because your feelings will never be enough and no sign will ever be enough. Do you remember what Christ said? This generation seeketh for a sign, but they shall have no sign. They saw all sorts of miracles. They saw uh, the, the rising of the dead, the healing of the blind. They saw the, the feeding of the 5,000. They even saw the resurrected Lord and Savior and still did not believe because they're looking for the wrong thing. We ought to be looking at a Savior who lived a perfect, sinless life. It's an amazing thought that Jesus Christ, 100% God and 100% man, never sinned once. And therefore, he was able to be, be sacrificed, to die in my place, to do what I could not do for my sin. We see a sinless Savior and then a crucified Christ. That same sinless, spotless Lamb of God took my place upon Calvary's cross. And Almighty God took my sin from off of my account and placed it upon the righteous one who never sinned and judged my sins in him. And now when God looks upon me, he does not see a sinner. He sees me as if I've never sinned at all. And then we see a risen Savior. Not just a sinless Savior. And, and we look and see not just a crucified Savior, but we also look and see a resurrected Lord and Savior. One who is victorious over the grave. One who has power over sin. 
one who has power over hell. You cannot and must not look anywhere else except upon Jesus Christ. He is your substitute. He died for you. In your place, he has taken your sin from off of you and placed your sins upon himself. Listen to this. Faith in Jesus Christ says, I know I'm guilty, but he died for me. Although my conscience condemns me, yet my faith overpowers my conscience. Though I feel lost, though I feel unworthy, though I feel unable to ever be saved, I believe that he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. That's faith. Despite what you feel. Even when you don't feel like you can be saved, I believe he is able to save to the uttermost them that come unto God by him. One preacher once said this, to come to Christ as a saint is easy work. Meaning after you're saved, to come to Christ is easy work. Like to trust a doctor to cure you when you believe that you are already getting better, that's very easy. But to trust your physician when you feel as if the sentence of death were in your body, to bear up when the disease is rising into the very skin and when the ulcer is gathering its venom, to believe even then in the efficacy of the medicine. That is faith. doesn't take much faith when you think you're already getting better from illness to go to the doctor and ask for prescription. But when you feel like you're dying and your heart is beating uncontrollably and all the signs in your body show that you are actually dying, then... To trust that what the doctor gives you is going to heal you, that's faith. And so it is when sin gets the best of you. When you feel condemned by the law. As a sinner, to trust Christ is the most daring exploit in all the world. When you feel like you deserve hell, you know you deserve hell, you know you're headed in that direction, you don't feel like there's any hope, you don't believe there's any hope. Then to trust Christ. That's the most daring thing you could ever attempt. Dare to trust the blood of Christ. Dare to trust his righteousness above how you feel, above your lack of feeling. We ask them, well, how do I know if I can believe? What qualifies me to have faith in God through Christ? My feelings, that's what some people say. Some people would say, I'll tell you when you can believe. You can believe when you feel you're sinning up. Then you can believe. Wrong. When is it that someone can believe? What makes a person ready to believe? Is it that I feel, when I feel I need him, then I can believe? No, no, no. Rather, the fact that you need him qualifies you to believe. The fact that you need him. Not your feelings. Let me give you a few verses to confirm that Romans chapter 5, if you'll turn there with me or just listen, we'll spend a, a little bit of time in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5. One of the big mistakes we make is by looking to feelings. But can I just say, if your feelings are the qualification, if feelings are what make you ready to believe, then what you have done is you've added to the work of Jesus Christ. Romans 
chapter 4, verse number 5 says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the, what's the next word? The ungodly. Him that justifieth the ungodly. Not him that justifieth the one who feels ungodly. The one who is ungodly. Romans 5, verse number 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the one who feels ungodly. No, no, for the ungodly. If you try to bring your feelings as your qualification for salvation, that is a slap in the face of Almighty God. As if your feelings could earn you a privilege to be saved. Verse number 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us when we were sinners. Not when we were good and saints and, and, and not when we were feeling our need, but when we need it. That's when he died for us. We cannot add to that. We cannot add to it. Your feelings do not qualify you. Now, do seeking people have feelings? Of course they do. But it's not your feelings that make you ready. It's not your feelings that save you. Do oftentimes those seeking for salvation feel lost and hopeless and feel the weight of their sin? Sometimes they do. But if you look to your feelings, you will be gravely disappointed and disillusioned. And not only that, but if you begin to say, you've got to look to your feelings, and how do you know when it's enough? How do you know when you're sorry enough? How do you know when you feel sad enough for your sins? How do you know when you've wept long enough? You can't do that. That's a big mistake. No, we read in God's Word, it's our need, our sinfulness, our ungodliness that qualifies us, not our feelings. Otherwise, my... Our feelings come and go, don't they? Some days I don't feel as needy as others. That doesn't change the need. Some days I feel more sinful than others. But the days I don't feel as sinful as I did the previous days doesn't make me better. Some days I feel like the scum of all the earth. Other days I feel like I'm doing okay walking on cloud nine. But the days I feel like I'm walking on cloud nine does not change the fact that I'm still needy. Does that make sense? Be careful. It's not your feeling, but your need that qualifies. And that's why the scriptures say, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Not he that feeleth after me, but he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Your poverty is your preparation. When you see I've got nothing, not even my feelings, add to my salvation or qualify. My poverty is my preparation. I have nothing, no merit, no goodness, no hope, no feelings, no desire, no nothing except sin. Now you're ready. Now you're ready. Don't look anywhere else. Well, you might say, but how can I dare to believe? Is that not presumptuous? Is it not presumptuous to think that I can believe on Jesus Christ? Surely that's presumptuous. It's not presumptuous because he commands you to believe. 
And had he not commanded you to believe them, perhaps it would be a little presumptuous. But because we read in God's word over and over in many different ways, God hath commanded all men everywhere to repent. Repent and believe the gospel. Or what about Acts chapter 16, verse 31, when that Philippian jailer fell to his knees and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, first you've got to feel your need. Is that what they said? Then you've got to be sorry for your sins for at least a good long, maybe two or three years. No, no, no. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe. It is a command. And because God commands me to believe, I now have the right to believe because there's power in his command. There's power in what he commands. It's amazing when you read through the, through the gospel records and even through the letters to the churches, you find this uh, inter, uh, given over and over again. In fact, in John 20, let me give you, as, as John uh, wraps up his writings, he says in verse number 30 and 31, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, in that believing ye might have life through his name. Yeah. Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Paul writes to the, to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 10, a very familiar portion of Scripture, but let me read for you. Nonetheless, the Scripture says in verse 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now that's Bible. That's God's word. That's not my word or my opinion. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you believe? God commands you to believe. And therefore, we have a right to believe. How, do I, how can I dare believe? Isn't that presumptuous? It's not because he commands it. And that's why, if you remember the scriptures say, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to what? Every creature. Thank the Lord, because that includes me. I'm one of those every creatures. And therefore, if the gospel is commanded to be preached to every creature, then I have a right to believe. Not because of who I am. No, but because of my need. And because of who he is. The gospel invites me to believe. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world, we said this morning, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, what? Believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. The gospel invites me to believe. The invitation has gone out. The command has also gone out. And therefore, I cannot be wrong if I do believe. Because God commands it. Some people say, oh, you can't say that. The wrong person may believe. Can the wrong person believe? Is it possible for the wrong person to believe? Do you think somebody's going to get up to heaven and God's going to say, what are you doing here? 
I didn't have your name on the list. What do you think you're doing? What preacher told you to believe? You shouldn't have, he shouldn't have said that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We can believe because he commands us to believe. But if you reject it, if you hear his command and you know what the scriptures say, you know that you are lost and undone and deserving of the judgment of God and eternity in hell, and you refuse after hearing God say, come. After hearing the Lord Jesus say, come. Then my friend, there is no salvation. Salvation comes to those who believe. Will you believe? You can believe because you need to believe. You can dare to believe because he commands you to believe. And because his word promises that if we do believe, we shall be saved. Stop looking to your feelings. Your feelings will betray you. Some days I don't feel very saved. Praise God, my feelings are not the thermometer of my salvation. Stop looking to election and those things because that's the work that Almighty God will do only after you're saved will you be able to say, I'm one of His. I belong to Him. You believe on the Lord Jesus. Look to Him. Keep your eyes fixed upon Christ and believe on Him and thou shalt be saved. Sometimes we get it all backwards, don't we? We get it all backwards. It's very simple. That's why it's one of the foundational doctrines. Some people scoff at such a simple gospel. But the gospel is simple. We complicate it. We complicate it. Hebrews chapter 6, the scriptures say that these are foundational things, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Foundation, the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Do you believe? It's amazing to me. No man will be able to look Almighty God in the face. In fact, we'll be fallen on our faces, I believe, on that day. But no man will be able to look at Almighty God and say, God, I wanted to be saved, but you wouldn't let me. No one will be able to say that. God, I wanted because Jesus said, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And if you could go to Christ and he were to throw you out, then that would make him a liar. He says, come. Believe. Have you believed on him? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? Do you believe that you could not save yourself, that you have no hope at all, that your only hope of salvation is the Son of God who bled and died on the cross for your sins, taking the judgment of God for you so that you wouldn't have to be judged. Do you believe that? By the way, he's the only one that could do it. I couldn't do it for you because I'm in the same boat that you're in. I need a Savior. You need him, the sinless Savior, the Lamb of God, which taketh away, O glorious Lamb of God, which takes our sin away. That's what you need. Someone who can take your sin far away from you so that God no longer sees it when he looks upon you. It's an amazing thought that he would take your record upon himself and give you his record, which is spotless. That's the glory of the gospel. 
By the way, that brings glory to God because there's nothing we can do to earn it. Nothing we can do to deserve it. All that, that there is to be done is to look. Believe. Do you believe? Some of you know you're sinners and you know you're lost and you know that if you died without Christ, maybe some of you know that if you died tonight without Christ that you would go to hell for eternity. So therefore, if you believe that, why not look up unto the Lamb of God and believe Him? Believe He died for you. If you can believe the part of the Scripture that tells you that you're a sinner, why can't you believe the part of Scripture that says Christ Jesus died for the sinner? If you can believe the part of God's Word that says that you are ungodly, why can you not believe the part that says Christ died for the ungodly? It's amazing how we can believe part and not the other. We can believe so firmly one part but doubt the other. Tonight, the invitation is the same invitation as always. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some people are laboring, trying to get to Christ, and you can't. You're trying to feel sorry for your sins, and you can't. And you're working hard, trying to feel sorry enough and be repentant enough, and you're trying, 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 but you can't. So Jesus says, come, come. Some are trying to make themselves worthy in God's sight. They're hoping that their church attendance and, and reading their Bible and their praying and all of these things will qualify them, that God will look and say, okay, you've been a good boy and a good girl. I'll take you now. No, no, no. Bring your burden to Christ. Look, Come unto me, Jesus said, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what you need. You can stop trying and start believing. Believe. It's a command and an invitation. The question is, will you obey? The scriptures talk about obeying the gospel. That's what it says. Will you obey it? Come, believe, and thou shalt be saved. I praise God, more than 20 years ago, I believed that Christ Jesus died for me. 20 years ago, I understood. I knew for a while that I was in trouble. But God in His mercy showed me that there was one way to get to God. One way to be made right with God. God showed me the only way to be made right with God was not in what I could do, and not in how I could feel, but in what Jesus has already done. Do you believe that? Would you bow your head with me in prayer? Father in heaven, we give thanks for this glorious message of salvation, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We thank Thee, Lord, that when we didn't have a hope and we didn't have a prayer, the Lord Jesus Christ, in mercy, took our place, bore in His body the marks that belong unto us, that we might be redeemed, born again. And tonight we pray for those who are still wrestling, waiting for an experience or waiting for a feeling. 
Help them tonight to see the only thing they need is to know they have a need. And may they look to the one who has paid the price for that need so that they might be saved. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. One London preacher was speaking about a famine in the city of London many years ago. He said, can you imagine if during that famine, thousands of people starving and the king opened the palace and said, come and eat. There's plenty for all. Come and eat. And people said, no, that's not for me. That's only for royalty. Can you imagine? They would sit there and starve, although they had been invited to come and eat. So it is with salvation. God has opened the gates of his, his kingdom and said, come and dine. Will you come?